0: Hello, everyone. My name is Bella, and I'm 18 years old. About three years ago, my parents punished me for being gay in the most horrible way, and then I found out why. Even though my parents had no clue, I knew that I was gay pretty early in my life. I've had beautiful friendships with guys and girls, but when I was daydreaming about the meat cutes in the middle of the street and one true love— the only image that would come to my mind was a girl. I didn't actually struggle that much with the idea, but I didn't tell anyone either. I don't know why exactly, but when I was 15, I started wishing that I would have just kept my mouth shut. That day, I was hanging around at my best friend Damien's house. He was one of those upper-middle-class, I'm-against-everything-that-my-rich-parents-do type of kids. We were swimming in his pool, joking around, when he swam up to me and kissed me. I tried pushing him away, but he kept forcing himself on me. Finally, as I got myself out of his claws, he looked enraged. I like you, Bella, Damien screamed, as if it was more of an accusation than a confession. He managed to cover the whole emotional spectrum, from rage to resentment to crying hysterically. I still felt like I owed him an explanation, so I came out to him. Damien, I'm gay. His reaction was mostly saying, oh, and then proceeding to swim and play around as if this whole situation had never happened. I went home that very evening, sat in my room reading a book, not really pondering what had happened earlier when my father came in. His face looked mysterious, you know, like... I couldn't really read what he was thinking, as if he had three different emotions at the same time. He said, pack your bags, you and your mom are going on a trip tomorrow. That was obviously strange as we didn't really travel much, but I knew better than to disobey my father as he could be a little bit dictator-like if you started questioning him. The next morning, my mom came into my room and said that we were going. I tried interrogating her on where, but she wouldn't budge. As we were driving, my sweet mom was silent as a mouse. Finally, we arrived at this strange institution that looked like something between a camp and a mental ward. We went into an office where a middle-aged woman was sitting as if she was waiting for us. Hello, Karen, she greeted my mom. As I was looking around the room, it dawned on me. I felt my heart sinking to the ground. I looked at my loving mom who wouldn't even make eye contact with me. The woman, the counselor, smiled at me with this horror movie smile and said, follow me, I'm going to show you to your room. My mom didn't even say goodbye. I sat in a strange room on a bed that now belonged to me for I don't know how long and tried to grasp the idea that my mom had just drove me and left me in conversion therapy one of those radical institutions that try to manipulate and abuse you to change your sexuality. That night, I barely slept because I felt like I had nobody in the entire world, and I knew I'd been betrayed by none other than my best friend. The next month was a nightmare. I had no way to contact the outside world. Every morning, the counselor gave me unknown medication that made me dizzy and weak, Then I'd have to endure this intense group therapy where we were forced to reveal our most intimate thoughts and then be punished for them. We had to learn to hate ourselves. Sometimes they'd invite us one by one into the room and force us to look at straight adult films. As the counselor kept telling me that I'd rot in hell for being gay, I felt like I was already in hell. It actually started working just maybe not exactly in the way they imagined. I did hate myself. Every time I'd look at another girl in the camp, I felt disgusted. I wanted to throw up or to run away just to keep myself from thinking the thoughts that were straight from the devil's mouth. When I arrived, I befriended this one girl, Sally, who was about the same age as me. But as we spent more and more time in these horrific lessons, we started turning on each other. One time, I heard her in the bathroom talking on the phone, which was not allowed. She sounded happy and, God forbid, in love. Rage came over me. It was so unfair and unjust that someone got to experience happiness but not me. I ran straight to the counselor's office to tell on her, but I was mortified by what I found in there. As I walked up to the door, I heard moaning, not the the pray-the-gay-away kind of moaning. I opened the door to see two women on the table, kissing, caressing each other. I immediately understood that one of them was the counselor, but the other seemed familiar to me too her long brown hair, her skinny legs, and the long colorful skirt. I think the whole state heard my scream. I screamed so loudly that the two women jumped from the table and nearly fell out of the window. The three of us were standing and looking at each other like we were in some Western standoff, waiting for one of us to draw the gun and shoot. The counselor, still trying to hold on to her dignity, sat on the chair as if nothing happened. The other woman, my mom, walked out of the room, not even looking at me. But this time, I wouldn't let it slide. This time, I wouldn't just silently obey their orders as they jailed me like some kind of criminal. I stormed out of the room and followed my mom, I think she was ready to run, but I managed to stop her. Leave me alone. You're a disgrace. I hate you. She was spewing, sobbing, barely breathing. At that moment, I wasn't even angry. I felt pity. Do you hate me? Or do you hate yourself? I asked my mom. Do you even know what they do here? My mom sat on the ground. Sobbing like a little girl. I'd never seen her so small. Yes, I was sent here too, she answered. We sat on the ground for about an hour as she finally reached for my hand, calmed herself down, and said, Let's go. I left my suitcase and a bunch of clothes there, but they didn't matter anymore. We got into the car and left for good. My mom and I were driving for about four hours straight until she pulled up at some motel. I didn't understand. I started panicking, you know. Was it possible she'd leave me again? She asked for a room, and as we settled down in the motel, mom said, "'We have to make a plan.' She was scared that if we went back, my father would do unspeakable things or turn us into some more horrible institutions." That's how I ended up living in a motel for about half a year. My mom got a job in the motel as an administrator and managed to finalize her divorce. I didn't see my father again. I didn't even get my stuff from home as he simply threw it all away. During those months, I tried remembering my childhood, life, before all this, how normal it looked, how many friends I had, how happy I was. I guess part of growing up was figuring out that life isn't perfect, that your parents have flaws and secrets. Finally, we managed to rent a small apartment, Mom and me, and I got to go to a normal school again. We bonded a bit as she told me her story, how her parents treated her, and how they pretty much arranged her marriage. I managed to deal with what happened to me in that camp and even got myself my first girlfriend this year. I reconnected with Sally and we even helped her to get out of her abusive parents' home. I decided that that's what I want to do, to help people who are left and abandoned by the ones that are supposed to love them. The only thing I regret is that my mom never got the support she needed and looking at her now... I'm really afraid that she's never gonna be able to fully accept herself. And that's what everybody deserves.
1: Hi friends, this story's gonna surprise you. My name is Sylvia, and I know what you're thinking right now. It seems, Sylvia, that you take us for fools if you think we'll believe in the existence of magic notebooks out there. Not at all. The only fool in this story is me. But first things first, It all started when my relationship with my parents was at an impasse, and it was all my fault. It's just the way I am, lazy, careless, and wanting only to have fun and enjoy life. I didn't want to study. I didn't listen to my parents. I either hang out with my friends or stared at my phone for hours. I didn't have anything else to do. I thought I could live this way for another 20 years, but things didn't go according to plan. I was expelled from school. At first, I couldn't believe it. I thought it was some kind of prank. By the way, that's what my parents thought too. Very funny, Sylvia, smiled my mother. Where did you hide the camera? In the sugar bowl? Except there was no camera in the sugar bowl, and neither was it a prank. And in fact, I had no idea what to do. My parents never yelled at me, so our house fell into a tragic silence for a week. By the way, they should have scolded me. Maybe I wouldn't have to tell that story now if I'd had my phone taken away from me a couple of times. Anyway, my parents went into mourning and I locked myself in my room, listening to Lana Del Rey and imagining going off to another state with a bunch of bikers. We'd be crowding the trails, racing against the wind, dancing around a campfire, not showering for weeks, drink gallons of Coke. My fantasy was interrupted by my mother. She appeared on the doorstep of my room, and she looked resolute. I would even say frightened. Get ready, she commanded. Where to? To Aunt Nikki's. It couldn't be! I jumped up on the bed, happy as I could be. This was even better than a bunch of unwashed bikers! Aunt Nikki lived in the next state and very rarely came to visit us. It didn't bother Mom at all that she hardly ever saw her sister, though. They were too different to enjoy each other's company. Mother was a very kind but extremely serious person, with a decent profession, a high-paying job, and a classic American family. Aunt Nikki, on the other hand, it was like she was stuck at the age of 18, dressed very strangely into mystical stuff, sang mantras, and never worked. What do you live on, Nikki? My mother was indignant every time I'm surprised you haven't ended up under a bridge. Well, you wouldn't know. My aunt would answer. I might have slept there last night. I adored Nikki and she adored me, though we seldom saw each other. And now I'm going to live with her. I hope it's forever. I threw everything I could get my hands on into the suitcase without looking. You can stay with her for a week and then your father and I will find you a new school. Only a week. What a pity. But what a week! This week was supposed to be the best week of my life. My dad volunteered to drive me, and he spent the whole trip torturing me with advices and guidance. Think about your life, Sylvia, he said in a teacher's tone. We never pressured you, thinking you'd find your own way. And what came of it? The best week in American history, I exclaimed. Forget it, dad. One day, I'll get a million and go to a country where it's always warm. Dad sighed and stopped lecturing. We drove up to Aunt Nikki's house. I had imagined a hundred times what a home of an extraordinary person like her must look like. But all my fantasies faded before reality. The front door opened and the strongest smell of incense hit my nose. Someone's droning voice sang a mantra from a loudspeaker. I immediately noticed the vast array of figurines, paintings, crystals, beads, feathers and other decorations that littered the entire floor-to-ceiling space. Cool! I grinned in admiration. My dad helped me get my stuff in and left. He still had a few hours of driving back. Aunt Nikki gave me a tour of the house. And this is the door to my room, she smiled. And I'll personally rip your nosy nose off if you come in here. I laughed, (laughs) appreciating the joke. But I could tell by the look in the woman's eyes that there was very little humor in it okay not going in means not going in there were so many perks of living with my aunt we talked about everything we went for walks did yoga dancing like crazy to weird music and all my thoughts of expulsion literally evaporated on the first day then i accidentally overheard a conversation that i wasn't supposed to hear aunt nikki it turned out was helping people solve their problems No, she wasn't the head of the Sicilian Mafia, more like a witch doctor. She ran her own esoteric blog on Instagram and she did consultations. I happened to be part of one of those consultations, going down to the kitchen. Thanks for all your help, Nikki. I told my friends about you. They'll be sure to sign up, a woman's voice said. Seeing me, my aunt ended the conversation and we sat down to eat dinner. It's great that you can talk to people and make money. I told Nikki. Yes, there's a lot of customers. She nodded. It's all thanks to this thing. She motioned at the old shabby notebook lying next to her on the table. What is it? A magic notebook. But you don't need to know how it works. (laughs) Does Aunt Nikki think I'm an idiot? Is the internet not working for me? I knew exactly how these magic books work. For naive people born yesterday, they grant all the wishes written on their pages. But for those who haven't lost the ability to think, they don't work at all. I like hanging out with my aunt, but I never really believed in all that magical stuff. I voiced my thoughts out loud. The woman looked at me like a toddler with chocolate smeared on her face and opened her notebook with determination. Let's write down that in a minute, the courier will bring us five pizzas for free. She quickly wrote down her wish on a sheet of paper. And just as Nikki finished writing down the last word, The doorbell rang. My aunt gracefully walked to the door and opened it. Miss Halliwell, your five pizzas. They're already paid for. My jaw almost met the counter. Is your last name Halliwell? No, but I predict someone won't be expecting a pizza for their party tonight. That's the kind of magic I like. Aunt Nikki demonstrated the capabilities of her magic notebook a couple more times. And then she made me promise not to touch it. I swear! I blurted it out as I began to make a plan of action. I had to get my hands on that notebook no matter what. I wanted to get my hands on a million dollars and go live in some country where it's always sunny. I would have been more specific if I didn't have a fat F in geography. Over the next couple of days, I figure out the perfect moment to steal the notebook. Early in the morning when my aunt was asleep. She always slept so soundly. And she wore earplugs. The perfect crime! After turning off the alarm at 5 in the morning, I snuck into Nikki's bedroom. The place was, let me tell you, even weirder than the rest of the house. Crystals everywhere, symbols that I couldn't make out. And it made me want to get out of there. I saw the notebook on the bedside table. I tiptoed, grabbed it, and headed out. I was in such a mad anticipation of happiness that I stopped looking under my feet. One step, and I was on the floor, dragging the bookcase and all its contents with a wild thud. My aunt moved in the bed. I froze, struggling to blend into the black carpet, as if one could miss this mess. But Aunt Nikki just turned on her other side, and I was out of her bedroom in a heartbeat. I didn't have to clean up after myself because I would be rushing to another state in minutes with a million dollars in my pocket. In my room, I grabbed the first thing I could find, a lipstick. I opened my notebook to a blank page and wrote down my wish. Cool! Sylvia, what have you done? Pale as death, my aunt stood in the doorway. I shook the notebook triumphantly. Now I will be rich! You can fulfill all your desires! Why can't I? What a fool you are. The woman sat down on the floor. It's the devil's notebook. What? The notebook fell out of my hands and ended up on the bed, opening to the very first page. I, Nikki Catrol, give my soul in exchange for the fulfillment of all the wishes written in this notebook. The writing frightened me so much that I staggered to the side, falling off the bed. What's going to happen now? I stared at my aunt. I don't know, Sylvia. I think he'll be displeased, and he'll grant you a wish you'll regret for the rest of your life. The woman said it so quietly and doomfully that when my cell phone rang, the last word was drowned out by the loud ringtone. I reached for the phone. It was my mother. Sylvia, get ready fast. Again? Where are you going? No time to explain mom seemed to be crying dad and i are in big trouble we sold everything we had and we're leaving we'll pick you up on the way so be ready we can't wait a minute she hung up i stared at the blank screen for a few seconds what did you wish for asked my aunt a million dollars and to go to a warm country so the wish came true apparently my parents just managed to raise a million by selling everything we have But that's not what I wanted. I grabbed my notebook and frantically began to flip through it, looking for a blank page. Now I'll write to make everything as it was before. It doesn't work that way, Sylvia. Nikki looked as sinister as a real witch. I warned you. But there must be a way out. There are
2: consequences to everything you do.
1: I agree. Anything, as long as the parents don't get in trouble. I loved my mom and dad very much. I didn't want to get them in trouble because of my stupidity. Sacrifice what's more precious than your freedom. My aunt's eyes filled with blood. How's that? Take the notebook and write, give it all back. In return, I promise to study all year long. In a panic, I grabbed a pencil and I was about to write the first word when I suddenly came to my senses. Stop! The horror immediately evaporated. Really? I frowned, and only now, looking closely at my aunt, I noticed that she could hardly contain her laughter! In fact, she wasn't holding back anymore! Aunt Nikki was laughing like a madwoman, And I threw that stupid magic notebook at her and grabbed the phone and dialed my mom's number! Sylvia, come on! It's no time to talk! there was still panic on the other end of the line. A fake panic, like in a Turkish soap opera. The Oscars were on their way, mom. I barked. Yes, you got that right. My parents had put Aunt Nikki up to this grand spectacle for me. Her goal was to get me to study in any way she could. My aunt was all for it. She always liked crazy adventures. So she invested a lot of time and energy in preparing for the show. If I hadn't outed these entertainers, I would have studied all year at school, to save my loved ones. To be honest, I decided to spend more time on my studies. If my parents were willing to do that, it means my education is important to them. So why not try? Have you ever been pranked by someone close to you? Tell us in the comments what it's like. I later found out the full picture of what
3: really happened. It turned out that Mike and Dean had a bet. Mike claimed that all the rumors about me were just fabrications, that I didn't really have any supernatural powers. That's nonsense, Mike said. She probably made it up herself, so no one would pick on her. Okay, let's assume that, Dean answered. Then let's do this. You sneak up on her and touch her arm. Mike tensed up a little. Though he was skeptical, he didn't want to test the rumors on himself. However, the conversation was taking place in the presence of other boys, so the challenge had to be accepted. Okay, I'll do it, Mike muttered uncertainly. Dean smiled wryly. And finally, I show up in this story. It happened at recess. I was getting the books I needed out of my locker when I felt someone touch my arm, just below my shoulder. I flinched in surprise. See? Nothing happened, Mike said to the crowd of onlookers. He took a few steps away from me before he slipped and landed on the floor. Hi, my name is Kim, and I'm used to these things. Another non-believer became a victim of his own arrogance, and then paid the ultimate price. Tragedy and comedy. It's all your fault! It's all you! Shouted Mike to Dean, lying on a medical stretcher with a brace around his neck. Dean shrugged guiltily, as if to say, I had nothing to do with it. (laughs) Here's what happened. About 10 minutes before it happened, the cleaning lady was mopping the floors and she put up a sign in the hallway that said, caution, wet floor. But for some unknown reason, the sign disappeared. And Mike, thinking that destiny had no power over him, paid for this delusion with a broken neck. (laughs) Poor guy, I thought, that must have hurt. As Mike was being taken by paramedics to the hospital. Dean still couldn't calm down. Did you see him collapse? (laughs) Hilarious! Everyone around me laughed quietly. I went straight to Dean. The guys seeing me coming quickly took off, leaving Dean alone. He tried to act all manly, but there was tension and nervousness in his voice. He was clearly uncomfortable standing next to me. Ah, Miss Miss Misfortune, he chuckled. Do you think it's funny? Your friend broke his neck, and you're not even ashamed. It wasn't my fault. I told him to expect trouble if you touched Kim, but he didn't believe me, and that was the result. I wanted to give him a good slap in the face, but I decided to do something different. Anyway, it's your fault. A victim of a science experiment. Oh yeah? (laughs) Well then, watch out. Before Dean knew what was happening, I grabbed his arm. The guy froze and didn't move at first, and then, when he realized what had just happened, he let out a wild (laughs) scream. No, not again! Why did you do that? Now I'm screwed! Nothing. Just don't cross the road and don't walk under any windows, so nothing will fall on your head. And you better stay away from the dogs. Panic overtook Dean. He looked around in panic, waiting for something awful to happen. The Miss Miss Misfortune effect worked differently every time. Sometimes it could take a while. Dean tried to figure out what to do, and he decided he had to run. Forgetting all about the classes, he ran out into the street and disappeared. I went back to my chemistry class. The curse, that's what I called my ability. The starting point of my misfortunes was my sixth birthday. I don't know what exactly happened then. Maybe it was the magnetic waves or the radioactive substances in the cake. But the following day, the first incident occurred. I hugged Dad, as usual, and he, five minutes later, fell down the stairs, nearly breaking everything. Then the curse reached Mom. A hairdryer caught fire right in her hands and burned part of her hair. Thankfully, the flames didn't damage her skin. After a series of mutilations and troubles, My parents realized it wasn't an accident, it was me. It was hard to live without my mother's and father's touch, as if I was in an orphanage. The same story continued at school. I was more careful now, aware of the power within me, but it was impossible to avoid being touched forever. So after a few unpleasant incidents, I was nicknamed Miss Miss Misfortune. Now everyone knew to stay away from me. I accepted my fate and the fact that I would die alone, like in a Charles Dickens novel, surrounded by spiders and cats. One good thing about all this was that no bully ever dared to hurt me. But on the other hand, I never had a boyfriend, because everyone knew how it could end. I didn't believe in miracles, right up until Liam showed up. His parents moved to our town, and he started going to the same school I went to. I don't know how to describe it. I guess I just fell in love. The very first day, as soon as he walked into class, Liam was looking around for an empty seat, and the teacher said he could sit next to me. I flared up and turned red as a tomato. My classmates started whispering, Oh, poor kid gets to sit with Miss Misfortune, we won't see him again. It didn't bother me much. I tried not to look at Liam at the time, and pretended I didn't care. They could have Johnny Depp sitting next to me, I couldn't care less. Liam sat down, turned toward me and held out his hand. I'm Liam. What's your name? I didn't shake it, just looked at the guy sideways. I'm Kim. Cool, he said, and turned back to the board. I rarely saw Liam. Mostly in biology and math class, sometimes in the cafeteria. Each time I blushed and could barely get out a "hi," Liam would smile broadly and ask me how I was doing. I thought he'd figure out what was wrong with me. Rumors about me were spreading all over the school. So, for instance, everyone immediately thought I was getting back at Dean. Remember when I touched him as payback for him deciding to make fun of Mike? Dean ran home from school and locked himself in his room. His parents tried to get in, but he wouldn't open the door, just screamed that it was the end of him. Dean's parents freaked out and finally broke down the door. The kid was sitting in the corner with his chin on his knees, rocking back and forth, mumbling something quietly. Diagnosis? A nervous breakdown. Yes, sometimes my ability doesn't work literally, but Liam thought all this talk about me was just school gossip. I mean, people say odd things about others. I was glad he didn't believe what they were saying. But on the other hand, I was afraid it might end in tragedy. The situation became more complicated when Liam asked me out one day. I wanted to say no, but I just couldn't. He was the first guy who'd ever shown any interest in me. I should have told him the truth, that he was in danger, but I didn't say anything. In the evening, we went to the amusement park. I took every precaution I could. I wore a sweatshirt with long sleeves. I even put my mother's gloves on my hands. I looked ridiculous and weird. Are your hands cold? Liam asked me as soon as I left the house. Hey, yeah, I answered, trying to avoid the subject. My aunt is the same way. She wears gloves all the time. I smiled stupidly and we walked to the park. Surprisingly, we had a great time. Riding the wheel, Liam won a teddy bear in a throwing contest and gave it to me. I struggled to carry the huge toy around with both hands. It kept slipping out of my hands. Without the gloves, which were noticeably too big for me, it would have been much more comfortable. I had to risk it. Liam saw that I was about to drop the bear he decided to pick it up and carry it himself, (sighs) and that's when he touched my hand. I dropped the bear and said, I'm sorry, I ruined it. Tears came to my eyes. What's the matter? Liam was clueless. I didn't want to see anyone else get hurt because of me, so without another word I ran away. Liam wanted to catch up with me, but I'd already disappeared into the crowd. The next day I found out that he was taken away by an ambulance that night. Turns out he got a severe food poisoning. It was the third victim of my curse this month. Like Dean, I locked myself in my room and didn't come out for a long time. Maybe I should never be around people at all, I thought, trying to somehow figure myself out. But for my parents, there was only one excuse for not going to school, death. So even though I felt terrible, I had to go to class. I was always treated with suspicion but this time the level of paranoia was off the charts. No one came within a few meters of me. Moreover, I noticed some tension even in the behavior of the teachers. I found out later that Mike and Dean were responsible for the boycott. Maybe it wasn't nice what I did to Dean, but I didn't want to hurt Mike. I guess that's how the hurt effect works. No one wanted to figure anything out. I was, by default, The case of every misfortune that happened under the roof of that goddamn school. (sighs) Dad tried to reassure me. Honey, don't pay any attention to them. Yes, my mother said. Children are so cruel. I knew they were cruel, but what am I supposed to do? They didn't have an answer to that question. As usual, I was left alone with my own curse. Sometimes it seemed to me that there were witches in our bloodline, and this was the punishment for terrorizing people in some small town. But I'm not a witch. I can't turn people into toads. I don't make magic potions. I'm just an ordinary girl who, for some unknown reason, has a very unusual ability. Liam was released from the hospital a week later. I was dreading seeing him. What would he say? Would he break up with me? Of course he would. There was not a single positive thought in my head at the time. How could he stay with me after that first date? What would have happened if we became a couple? What if he would kiss me? It's scary to even imagine. They might as well launch me into space to keep me away from all the people I could hurt. I ran into Liam in the hallway. He came up to me with a smile that never left his face and said, Hey, our first date didn't end very well. Maybe we could try again? I couldn't believe my ears. And you're not afraid that one day a brick might fall on your head? No, why should I be? Then, to my surprise, he took my hand and walked me to class. I expected the worst, but nothing happened to Liam that day. Or the next day, my curse was gone, just like in the fairy tale of Beauty and the Beast. All I had to do was wait for a man who would truly love me. It took me a long time to get used to the fact that I could hug my mother. I could hold Liam's hand as I walked. (laughs) True love really can do anything. What would you do if every time you touched someone, it brought them bad luck? Write your answers in the comments, like the video, and share it with your friends.
1: Hi everyone, my name is Caroline, and I was homeless until the moment when billionaires took me to live in their luxurious mansion. Wondering how that happened? Stay tuned! One cold fall evening, I was trying to find money for food. Well, or just food, I didn't care. Ask me how it happened that I became homeless? Well, my parents died a couple of years ago, and I couldn't live in an orphanage because the local kids abused me. At one point, I ran away, figuring the streets would be easier for me. That night, I couldn't find a scent on the street and had already resigned myself to starving. Suddenly, I saw a well-dressed woman on her way to the supermarket. I immediately ran up to her and tried to steal her purse. Believe me, it wasn't my first robbery. The street dictates its own rules. However, at that very minute, some guy was right next to us. He pushed me away. Get lost, Tramp, or you'll be in trouble. He threatened me with his fist. I didn't want to confront him and ran away. Well, now I had no food and money. But the next day, I had a surprise. The woman I was trying to steal from found me outside the supermarket, handed me a full bag of food and a warm jacket. Thank you. But why? You're too good to me. I tried to rob you. I had tears of gratitude in my eyes. I know you had to do it because of the way you live. She smiled. What's your name? Caroline. And why are you on the streets at such a young age? I told her the story of my life. The woman wept and promised to help me. I expected her to give me some more warm clothes and a sleeping bag and lots of food. But what happened next didn't just shock me. It killed me. In a good way, don't worry. A woman arrived in a luxury car with her husband. At this time, I was eating a baguette, trying to stretch it out into the evening. Well, that's it, Caroline. You're coming to live with us now, said my savior, and smiled. What? I was so shocked. I choked on a piece of baguette. A girl like you shouldn't be living on the streets. We want to adopt you. Is that what you want, too? She asked. Of course, I said yes. And who wouldn't refuse in my place? On the way, I was modestly silent and terribly worried. And when we arrived, I was speechless. Now I'm going to live in a luxurious mansion, like a real castle. I was incredibly happy until I saw the guy defending my new mom. Oh, I forgot all about him. I bet he wouldn't be happy to have me in his house. Who the hell is she? He frowned at me as we got out of the car. Nick, this is your new sister, Caroline. We've decided to adopt her. Are you out of your mind? She's the tramp who tried to rob you, Mom. Nick, I get it, but it's my decision and your father's. We always wanted a second child, but you know yourself that we can't have any more. So get a normal kid from an orphanage. Nick, Caroline lives here now, it. said the father sternly. Nick immediately calmed down. His father seemed to be an authority he didn't risk arguing with. The boy muttered something to himself and went into the house, slamming the door loudly. Mr. and Mrs. Gilbert showed me my room, which I was absolutely delighted with. A huge bed, my own walk-in closet, lots of new and beautiful things, and a private bathroom. It's like heaven! I couldn't even dream of that. I immediately fell on my bed and cried with happiness. Now I had a home and a family. I'm not alone. But I was having trouble with Nick. I tried to get through to him, but the guy was stubbornly ignoring me. But what pissed Nick off the most was that his best friend had found common ground with me. Brian was a nice young man. He treated me like a regular girl, even though he knew I was from the streets. He helped me study. When my parents hired teachers to homeschool me, he talked to me and even taught me how to play PlayStation. And then one day, I overheard an unpleasant conversation. How can you socialize with that tramp? Nick asked angrily. She's normal. It's your sister. She's not my sister. She's the trash of society. I felt so hurt by those words. I couldn't hold back my tears. I went down to the living room and stared at a picture on the wall for a long time. I really liked the painting. I couldn't help myself, so I went and touched it. If you touch it again, you're out of the house. Nick threatened me when he came in. What? If I find you stole something or invited your tramp friends over, I'm not going to be nice to you. I'll throw you all out. I don't want to steal anything. For the first time, I decided to stand up for myself. I'm not what you think I am. And you'd know that if you weren't such a jerk. We would have kept fighting, but my parents came back. They gave me an expensive phone with a bunch of diamonds on it. Nick just snorted and went back to his room. And I was as happy as a baby. The next day, I decided to take a little walk. It was a beautiful day. I was listening to music on my phone when suddenly I was stopped by some vagrants with whom I used to feud. The thing is, I've always been on my own, and a lot of people didn't like it. Seeing me in my new clothes, and with a cool new phone like this, the tramps just jumped on me without a word, stealing all my money, phone, and even my new jacket. They did me bad, and I sat down on the pavement and cried. How bad I felt. But then help came from somewhere I didn't expect. Nick was there. He helped me up and asked me what happened to me. When he heard about the tramps, he called his friends to deal with my abusers. Honestly, my heart almost stopped when Nick and his friends fought the vagrants. The guys took my stuff back, and we ran from the cops, laughing for some reason. Nick, thank you so much. I hugged him. You're the best brother ever. The guy blushed and didn't say anything back, but I wasn't offended because his actions were more eloquent than words. When we got home, Mom was shocked to see a battered Nick. He brushed it off and said it was okay. My father, on the other hand, was not happy about it. The thing is, my adoptive parents are billionaires and reputation is very important to them. They were afraid of any scandal, so they raised Nick in a strict manner to keep him out of trouble. Nick got very angry when his father told him off, so I decided to console my brother. As it turned out, It pissed Nick off that he lived in a rich family in the first place. You see, money is a weapon to reach some goals, but it's not about happiness. My dad wants me to carry on his business, and I wanna be a doctor, and we fight about it all the time. I even felt sorry for Nick, even though I didn't understand him. He had everything since he was a kid, but he doesn't appreciate it because it's not money that matters to him. It's the dream. If he lived in the street, he'd start appreciating everything he has. But then I realized what Nick meant. My father had arranged a business meeting at home with his partners, ordering Nick to attend. I could see that Nick wasn't interested at all. He even got hung up on the phone a few times, for which he received a stern reprimand from father. My father, very cleverly, without descending to insults, humiliated Nick. I felt really bad for my brother. So, I stood up for him. Dad smiled at me and said that I didn't understand anything and that he knew better how to make his son happy and more importantly, rich. Nick was touched that I stood up for him and for the first time, he called me sister and hugged me. Thank you, no one ever stood up for me, he said. I believe in you, Nick. Don't give up, follow your dreams to the end. But I didn't think my words would have that effect on him. The thing is, that night, Nick ran away from home. He left a note in the living room, saying he'd rather be lonely and poor, but happy and free. My parents immediately pulled all the strings to find my brother, and my heart froze with fear. What if something happened to him? Then it would be all my fault. I was the one who encouraged him to follow his dream. Idiot! My parents couldn't sit still, so they went looking for Nick too. It didn't take us long to find my brother. He was surrounded by a gang of vagrants who wanted to get back at Nick for the last incident. They wanted to attack him in a group. We jumped out of the car right away, scared off all the vagrants, and took Nick away. Son, that's not manly. You ran away like a coward. I ran away because I'm sick of you. I don't want to go into business. My goal is to help people and heal them. This argument went on all the way. At one point, Dad got so nervous, he lost control of the car. We hit a pole. Nick hit his head hard on the dashboard. My mom and I got scared. Dad seemed fine. My brother lost consciousness, and Mom immediately dialed 911. What kind of misfortune is following us? Luckily, Nick wasn't seriously injured, but we were so scared for him. We cried in the room while they bandaged his head. I'm fine. Don't worry. He smiled at us. It must have had some effect on my father, and he mellowed. Nick, after all, was allowed to study to be a doctor. He was no longer bogged down with business meetings, which my brother hated so much. But there was another problem. You haven't forgotten about Nick's best friend Brian, have you? Well, he confessed his feelings to me. I was speechless. I didn't see Brian as a boyfriend. He was a friend to me. Nick, on the other hand, was very concerned. He was against us dating. But why? Brian asked. She's my sister and you're my best friend. This is a bad idea. It wasn't so long ago that you didn't think of her as your sister. A lot has changed, Brian. I'm against it. I don't want her to be in a relationship right now and then suffer through a breakup or a fight. Caroline needs to study. Brian didn't like that. Then I had to get into a dialogue and explain to the guy that I wasn't interested in relationships yet. Brian got upset but didn't insist on anything. Eventually, I got used to the luxurious life, and Nick became not just my brother, but my best friend, with whom I could talk to about anything. I'm glad this family came into my life. It's because of them that everything has changed for the better. Would you like to live in a billionaire family? Write your answers in the comments. I'd be interested to read them. Also, don't forget to share the video with your friends. Bye!
4: Facing the alien chemical equation on the board, I was sweating profusely when suddenly Alice, the <gasps> smartest nerd in the class, threw a piece of paper at me. <laughs> Copy it, Queenie. Hmm. Thinking that she was helping me, I gleefully wrote down her answer, but strangely, the whole class <gasps> burst into laughter. Alice <laughs> sneered at me. <laughs> Dumbass. Uh... Be quiet, class. Uh... Queenie F-, minus. go back to your seat. When I was passing uh... Alice, I angrily grunted. You're ugly inside out. (laughs) She immediately tripped me and made me fall face first. Due to that, we got into a fight right in our classroom. Hi, I'm Queenie, 16 years old. I'm a famous girl with over 600,000 Instagram followers. Most of the boys in my school were obsessed with me. My family was also one of the wealthiest in Orlando. You could say that I had it all, but there was only one thing that I lacked of, (laughs) Ryan. Because of my poor academic skills, my dad threatened that if I didn't improve, he would send me to my grandma's stables in the suburbs of Texas, where the Wi-Fi was weak and I would have to clean up horse poop all the time. Ew. I would never let that happen. I quickly started focusing on my weakest subject, chemistry. I spent a lot of money to hire Fariel, the smartest guy in the chemistry club, to tutor me at my house. But even if Fariel offered to teach me for free with my two-digit IQ score, it would still be impossible. Stop, I can't take it anymore. Come on, Queenie, tough it out. Why do I have to study so many things? I'm not going to compete in the Olympics like you. Suddenly, Fariel exclaimed he had thought of a way that would help me pass. Every student whose names were on the chemistry Olympiad list would be accepted from the school's chemistry class, which meant one thing. You must join our club. The nerdy club was led by Alice. No way! So you choose to clean the stables, right? Ugh, I really needed to pass chemistry, and I also hated cleaning the stables. So the next day, I determinedly walked into his club room. My presence shocked every member, especially (gasps) Alice. I came here to apply for the club. She burst (laughs) out laughing immediately and threw me a pen. Take this. Hmm? For what? To draw more wrinkles on your brain even though
2: i was pissed
0: off
4: to raise my chance of getting in the club i boldly told her that the other members would definitely welcome me even if she wouldn't she snickered and confidently let them vote little did she know eighty percent of the club members were male and two-thirds of them followed me on instagram so am i eligible to join the club now i walked <laughs> past alice nudged her shoulder and stuck out my tongue teasingly However, Caitlin, the captain of the cheerleading club, suddenly appeared at the door. With Queenie, this club is going down. Her words made my relationship with Alice even more strained. I became a thorn in her eyes and she always looked for a reason to kick me out of the club. Once, I was assigned to bring my teacher the white rats from the school's lab. When I entered the lab and picked up the box, suddenly the lid of the box came loose. The rats quickly ran out and bumped into the chemical bottles, causing them to shatter all over the ground. Hot yeah. <laughs> Unexpectedly, Alice was filming the whole thing. Be ready to say bye-bye to my club. It must have been her trap. I quickly got into a fight with her when suddenly, Caitlin appeared with Mrs. Clear, hmm. the school superintendent. You see, Alice and Queenie have ruined this lab. Miss Claire furiously decided to punish us by suspending all the activities of the chemistry club and made us stay behind <laughs> to clean up the lab. With that, she left. Alice shouted at Caitlin, It was you who showed me how to kick Queenie out of the club. Why did you turn your back on me? All I wanted is that club room of yours. Now that you guys are suspended, move out soon, Kay. The cheer team has been wanting a space for entertainment. She slammed the door and laughed provocatively. What a witch! When we were cleaning the lab, Alice just sat in a corner and cried loudly. Honestly, she deserved it. I was the innocent one here. Why did they drag me into this mess? Hey, get up and start cleaning! If I can't participate in the Olympics, I'll lose my scholarship. No! I just remembered that if I couldn't join her club, I would have to study like a normie. Then if I failed my chemistry class one more time, I would have to clean the stables! Damn it! It's not over! We'll take the club back! Really? How? It was easy! We had to make the school realize that the cheerleaders were the real troublemakers here! To do that, we gotta be a team (gasps) and stop standing in each other's way, got it? Deal. Our opportunity soon came when the cheer team held a performance at the school Christmas festival. That day, many of the school's important partners arrived. Caitlin took the stage and began dancing while our club gathered backstage and was ready to <laughs> take her revenge. I took out a remote control and clicked the button. Suddenly, from Caitlin's pocket, a faced mouse jumped out. The cheerleaders and she all ran away screaming in panic. Caitlin was so scared that she kicked the mouse at the principal's <sighs> guest, causing oh. him to fake. The festival was chaotic, and the principal was beyond furious. Shut this madness, all the cheer team go back
1: inside.
4: We were giggling as Caitlin ran inside and shouted, you will pay for this. After the cheerleaders were punished and got their entertainment room confiscated, that room was rightfully returned to us. Our club chemistry was also officially restored, and we were eligible to participate in the Olympics again studied day and night for that competition, and of course, a hopeless idiot like me could only cheer for them. When the Olympics finally arrived, everyone was present, but no one could find Alice anywhere. We tried calling her, to no avail. Suddenly, Caitlin appeared. Give it up, losers. Turns out that evil witch and her minions had blocked Alice's way and locked her inside a toilet. Now you don't have a captain to participate anymore. I'll be the captain. Haha, an idiot like you wants to be the captain of the Olympic team? Don't make me laugh. Without letting her finish her sentence, Farielle pushed her aside and boldly walked (laughs) with me and the team on stage. We must win this, and no one shall stand in our way. My teammates did an excellent job on their parts and all the teams were at a tie. The captain's part would be the deciding one. Since I was replacing Alice, I was forced to compete in her place. On the table they put a lot of test hmm? tubes containing gases and announced the question. Within 3 seconds, find the tube that contains the chemical gas that will explode when it comes in contact with oxygen. Everyone hmm. held their breath waiting for my answer. Thank God I suddenly remembered that damn equation that gave me a F minus. I quickly grabbed the tube containing hydrogen and pressed the timer a few seconds ahead of my opponent. Immediately, the referee announced that our team had won. We all cheered in union. Fariel and I hugged each other in bliss, then he suddenly kissed my cheek. Although late, Alice still arrived to see the final result. I ran to her and gave the trophy to Alice because we were such a great team.
2: As I was trembling with a heavy tray of drinks, a hurried guest suddenly bumped into me, causing my entire tray to drop right on the ground. Immediately, the hostess shouted, Helen, you're fired! I kept apologizing to her, saying that my mom was in the hospital so I really needed this job, but she still kicked me out mercilessly. Feeling guilty, the guest earlier said, I'm so sorry, young lady. If you want, you can come to my place. I'll arrange a new job for you. After that, he gave me a note with his home address and left. Hi, I'm Helen, I'm 16 years old. When I was a child, my dad left me while my sick mom was hospitalized all the time. Every day, I had to study and work until late at night to be able to cover the huge amount of hospital bills. After receiving the home address, I went straight there. It was a gorgeous mansion. A guest from yesterday appeared and it turned out it was <laughs> James Smith, a wealthy tycoon. When James and I were talking, suddenly a drunk girl came in. James grumbled. Jenny, partying again? You should have been ashamed of your poor test scores for the Fairmont Academy entrance exam. Fairmont Academy? I just got a scholarship for it recently. An idea popped up in my mind. Sir, if you want to improve your daughter's grades, I can also tutor her. With that said, I showed him my Fairmont scholarship and James promptly agreed to my offer. But Jenny was a different story. She rolled her eyes and bared her fans. Listen, new face. Nine self-declared tutors have come here, and they've all been fired. Get ready to be the 10th. After that, she coldly left the room. James comforted me. It's okay, Helen. If you can help her increase her grades, I'll definitely reward you. I thanked him and promised to start tutoring Jenny. But it was difficult, just like what Jenny said. She kept coming up with weird tricks so she wouldn't have to learn. For example, she would hide her books, or pretend to be sick every time I started class. Once, as soon as I arrived, I saw Jenny dancing at the swimming pool. When I came to her, she angrily shouted, I'm not studying! Just leave! I turned off the music and firmly told her to come inside to start the lesson. Angrily, she rushed over and pushed me straight into the pool! It made my books and laptop wet! However, she just threw a bunch of money on me and sneakered. This is enough for you to buy two more laptops! Get the hell out of here! (sighs) Furiously, I told all of that to her dad. Needless to say, James was furious and called Jenny into the room. Jenny, as of tomorrow, you will transfer to Lockwood High in Canada. What? That uptight and remote school? Correct. If I can't teach you, Lockwood will. Jenny burst into (laughs) tears of resentment and left. As for me, James sent me my payment and promised to arrange a different job for me. However, the money was still far from enough to pay for my mom's hospital bills. While I was not knowing what to do, suddenly my phone rang. It was Jenny. She asked me how to talk. Contrary to her usual stuck-up attitude, Jenny desperately begged me to go to Canada to study on her behalf. In return, she would pay for my mother's hospital bills. I was surprised but also worried. But what if your dad knows about this? And what about the paperwork? (sighs) I'm rich. I can take care of those minor stuff. Just say yes and someone will come and take you to Lockwood High. I decided to agree, but on one condition. She would have to replace me to study at Fairmont Academy. I couldn't just drop out like that and she also agreed. Later that day, I said goodbye to my mom and began my journey to Canada. After a week of studying, I gradually got used to my new life. It was. Quite challenging indeed. One day while walking in the hallway, I saw Kelly, a notorious classmate of mine who was cornering another girl. Oh, a small country girl like you also comes here to study? You should have stayed at home and worked as a janitor like your mother! That's so mean! I must help that poor girl! I quickly walked past them and shoved my Starbucks at Kelly. What the hell is wrong with you Jenny? Do you know how much this Chanel dress costs? Oh sorry, my hand slipped. She angrily raised her hand to slap me, but she was abruptly stopped huh? by Alan, the class's hottest boy. Come on Kelly, you are bullying the other girl first. Kelly was so frustrated that she left immediately. I wanted to comfort the other girl, but she had also run away. Only Alan and I remained. <laughs> Somehow we hit it off and became very close after that. One day, I came to class earlier than usual and saw Kelly doing something suspicious to the classroom door. With a bad premonition, I hid in a corner and overheard her whole plan. Good. Let's see who runs the school, Jenny. So when she wasn't paying attention, I swiftly entered the classroom through the back door. I was proudly crossing my arms and sneered at her angry face when suddenly, the teacher opened the door and walked in. In a flash, a basket of fake snakes fell mm? straight on her head. Both <gasps> Kelly and I panicked while the teacher screamed at the top of her lungs and fainted. I hurriedly shouted for the whole class to take her to the infirmary. As for Kelly, she was punished soon after. She had to clean the toilet for two months in a row. Haha, <laughs> serves that witch right. One day, Lockwood High held an auction to raise funds for the Halloween Festival. My role was to wear a beautiful white dress for the guests to bid on while Ellen was the host. Very quickly, the dress was bidded to 50- Very quickly, the dress. I was super excited to see who was the bidder, but to my horror, Mm -hmm. Kelly appeared. She walked onto the stage to the applause of everyone. Kelly stood in front of me and smirked. This is truly a work of art. But it'll be even more beautiful when... Before she finished her sentence, Kelly pulled out a paint gun and shot at me repeatedly. The beautiful white dress quickly turned into a disaster Ah! to the panic of the guests. With a stroke of genius, Alan quickly came to the rescue. How utterly amazing and creative, isn't it? Can you see, ladies and gentlemen? Each streak of color makes the dress look like a Van Gogh painting. The audience gasped and applauded loudly. They said the dress was like an abstract artwork and even pushed the price higher than the price Kelly had bid it. But before I could rejoice, I suddenly saw James in the audience. Oh my (gasps) god, why is he here? I panicked and ran off the stage, but that wish Kelly tripped me. I stumbled and got entangled in the microphone wire and pulled the entire speaker system down. They fell on both Kelly and me and we slowly lost consciousness. As the sun rays hit my eyes, I slowly woke up. Luckily, the accident didn't cause too much damage to me. In the room, there was only an extremely angry man standing in silence. Great, I'm screwed. I explained the whole story to James. Fortunately, he understood and quickly resolved the paperwork to bring me home. On the way home, I turned to ask him what he would do with Jenny. He said in desperation, I don't know, she's too spoiled. Suddenly, I came up with a plan and quickly told James. With a wink to him, I called her. Jenny, bad news! Your dad has found out about us switching places and had a heart attack! He was transferred to the ER! What? How could that be? Just go to the hospital! When Jenny arrived, she burst into tears when she saw her father on the bed. Since he was promoted, he was too busy with work and we've become so distant. We never even spoke to each other more than three sentences ever since. <laughs> Jenny hugged her father and cried until James winked at me. This play could come to an end now. He slowly sat up and patted Jenny's shoulder, who was now drenched in tears. <gasps> she looked up, screaming in panic as if she had seen a ghost. I quickly covered Jenny's mouth so that James could explain. My dearest, I'm sorry I wasn't there for you. I tried to make it up by giving you more money, more beautiful clothes, but apparently it wasn't enough. You were lonely, right? In the end, they their misunderstanding. Jenny stopped acting stubborn and snobbish, and the two of them spent more time together. After everything, funny as it is, Jenny and I started to become close. James was <laughs> kind enough to adopt me and promised to help me pay for my school fees and my mom's hospital bills. One day, I was tutoring Jenny when suddenly the doorbell rang. Hmm? I ran out to see who it was when, to my surprise, it was Alan. He hugged me tightly. I finally found you, Helen. Will you be my girlfriend? Saying that, Alan leaned forward. Just like that, we kissed passionately in the first breeze of fall. When I was skateboarding near the school gate, unfortunately, I crashed into Lion, my neighbor, and we fell on top of each other. He angrily grimaced at me. Watch yourself, chaos breeder. Put a helmet on. It might help your hyperactive brain reduce the risk of injury by 65%. Then he even demanded to confiscate my skateboard. I mischievously bent down to pull the rug under Lion's feet and delighted to see him fall painfully on his butt. (laughs) Tone it down, nerd! Even though Lion kept yelling behind me, I just nonchalantly ran away. Hi, I'm Aretha, 16 years old. When I was young, my mom always wanted me to be girly and gentle. But unfortunately, being girly is not me. I'm always mischievous and enjoy energetic activities. Not only did it upset my mom, but it also annoyed Lyon, the nerdy guy who lives next to us. He really hated me and kept calling me by the nickname Chaos Breeder. Over the years, Lion and I had always been at odds with each other. Although we were neighbors and even attended the same class, we could never be close. Once, my uncle gave me a vuvuzela, a gift from his trip to Brazil. I was very excited and brought it to class. While all my friends laughed at the sound of it and my jokes, Lion thought the exact opposite. Be quiet, Aritha. I need to read a book. Oh, sorry, knowledgeable gentleman. But this is break time. You should return to your nerd planet to continue reading. Then I blew the Vuvuzela even louder to piss him off. <sighs> then he suddenly grabbed a glass of water nearby and poured it directly into my Vuvuzela. I immediately <laughs> choked violently. Stupid face! You regret this! We started throwing things at each other, until the principal showed up and punished me for causing a commotion in the classroom. Ah. Seeing me being led away, Lion smirked (laughs) triumphantly. Another time, when our class was allowed to visit a museum of nature, I was overwhelmed by the fossilized skeleton of a large dinosaur placed (gasps) in the middle of the hall. When I was about to touch it, Lion suddenly slapped my hand hard. You can't read, can you? Article 3, Section 4 of the museum's rules. It is strictly forbidden to touch this specimen. Then he started giving me a long lecture on proper manners of the museum. I yawned in frustration and turned around to leave. Seeing that, he grabbed my shoulder. You're so impolite. Don't walk away when others are talking. I winced, squashed his hand away, and harshly pushed him back. But it seemed I had used too much strength. To my horror, Lion fell into the dinosaur skeleton, and the skeleton fell on top of us. Not only was it painful, but also we were banned from the museum for years. Great, every time, every goddamn time I got involved with that nerd, I got a chain of bad luck coming after me. So, from then on, I tried even harder to avoid him, but Lion was so annoying. That Sunday morning, I was woken up by loud music from his house. That nerd was definitely responsible for it, since his parents were on a business trip yesterday. Immediately, I went to his house in my pajamas. Stupid face, turn that crappy music off before it becomes your last song. After several knocks, no one answered me. Furiously, I was about to kick the door, when suddenly, a handsome guy with a face like on mandas and a towel wrapped around his waist came out. Unfortunately, he took the full impact of my powerful kick. Oh! What are you doing? I couldn't open the door because I was in the shower. Embarrassed, I quickly apologized to him and ran straight home. Since then, I have been trying to snoop around Lion's house to see who that guy was. After that somewhat disastrous meeting, I couldn't stop thinking about his gorgeous body and an (laughs) angel-like face. Damn, I think I've fallen in love. Then suddenly, a hand hit my shoulder. Not only a chaos breeder, but now you're also a pervert who stalks other people's houses? I quickly shook my hand and explained everything, but unexpectedly, he mocked me. you like my cousin? Ew! Even the conjuring is not as disturbing as this! Turns out that Hearthrob is Kai, Lion's cousin. He would live here until the end of high school. Great! Excellent! Wonderful! So I have a chance to date him! Kai will never like you. Why? Because he's not gay. (laughs) You're like a boy and he's into feminine girls. Although I was extremely bitter at his taunt, I realized I didn't know anything about Kai, and Lion was the only one who was close to him. Oh, Lion, my dear bestie. Will you please put aside all our silly grudges and help me pursue Kai? Nope. Oh, come on, give me a prize. I'm ready to pay. He put on an obnoxious, contemplative face and finally said, Fine, but on one condition. If this works, you must obey anything I say. (sighs) Although, that was a horrible trade. For my demigod, I was willing to sacrifice everything. So, from that day on, Lion and I teamed up. He became my fashion guru and helped me dress up to match Kai's type. I started to practice putting on high heels and skirts and even got some education about boys. Gosh, how bothersome. But I needed to hold on for my demigod. One day, to help me approach Kai, Brian took me to the record store his cousin frequently visited. According to his calculation, Kai would come from the northwest at a speed of 2.4 miles per hour, and I would need to walk from the southeast at a speed about two-thirds of his. Trust me, there's a 97% chance that you two will meet at Kai's favorite record section. Jeez, what a total nerd! Then we embarked on our plan. However, when I was trying to reach that record section, my cramped high heels caused me to trip. How embarrassing! Seeing that, Kai hugged his stomach and burst out laughing. (laughs) you again? Seems like every time we meet, troubles follow us, doesn't it? Unexpectedly, that incident made me closer to Kai. He asked for my number, then asked me out. I felt like I was on Cloud 9! After that, we grew closer each day. Once when we were hanging out, I mustered up the courage to ask him. Kai, please answer honestly. Is your type feminine girls? Hmm. Nah. I always feel like they're kinda of spoiled and I'm not into that. What? <gasps> Did that stupid face lion trick me? So he just wanted to make fun of me after all! Right after saying goodbye to Kai, I went straight to Lion. Furiously, I grabbed his collar. Stupid face! You've been pulling pranks on me since the beginning, right? Why do you want to get between Kai and me? Then he suddenly grabbed my hand and placed a kiss on my lips! Actually, I've liked you for a long time. But since you're always teasing me, I couldn't find a chance to confess. Don't you hate tomboys like me? No, Aretha, I like everything about you. Even when you crashed into me on your skateboard, even when your clothes were boyish, and even when you laughed with a mouthful of food at me. That doesn't change the fact that you lied to me! I withdrew my hand and quickly left. From that day on, I tried to avoid lying, both at home and at school. About three weeks later, Kai suddenly told me that Lion had just signed up as an exchange student and was about to move to Switzerland. Somehow, ever since that day, I kept thinking about Lion's kiss and what he said. No, Aritha, you must forget about it. I tried to reassure myself and held on to the thought that Lion was the bad guy. The day he moved out, even though I was on a date with Kai, I couldn't stop thinking about that nerd. While we were walking on the street, a girl skater almost bummed into us. Oh, sorry, are you two okay? Before she could finish, <gasps> Kai violently grabbed her arm. Dumbass, do you girls think you're cool when you skateboard? No, it's only for boys. Know your place. Kai's words shocked me. I didn't expect him to be so sexist, unlike Lion. Damn, maybe the one I had fallen for was actually Lion after all. But first, I gotta deal with this obnoxious human being. Let her go! You're hurting her, jerk! I pushed him down and quickly let the other girl away. After that, I borrowed her skateboard to chase after Lion. I didn't stop screaming and chasing his car until it stopped. What's the matter, Aretha? Stupid face? I've realized that. I like you too. Then, Lion smiled. (laughs) He gently hugged me and put a passionate kiss on my lips.
4: My brother rushed out from the dark alley and shouted in panic, "Ghost, run! Then he tripped and fell. When some people came to check on him, I immediately put on a devil costume and skated fast towards them. The crowd got terrified and ran away screaming. Witnessing that scene, Dan and I looked at each other and burst out laughing. But right at that moment, our mom's scary face appeared right behind us, making us jump in surprise. Mia! I told you no more filming Tiktok, but before I could finish, she quickly dragged both of us home. Hi, I'm Mia. I'm currently living with my mom and a little brother named Dan. As you can see, I'm a TikToker who owns a TikTok account that uploads funny pranks with nearly 1 million followers. Although to my mom, I was just a 15-year-old troublesome girl, but on TikTok, I was a star. Like always, I started my pranks on a busy street and hid the camera in a corner facing the sidewalk. Ooh, look, here's my prey. A man in a polite suit was walking over as Dan pretended like his hand was stuck in the bushes. Dan asked the man for help, and when he jerked his hand away, a giant snake was biting his arm. The man screamed and ran away so fast he dropped his shoe. Then another man got pranked and dropped his wig. One after another, their varied expressions helped my video quickly go viral. To boost my fame, I also did fan challenges. Once, they dared me to prank my mom. The requests were so many that one day. I called mom and screamed that there was an emergency at home. Then, I turned the camera (laughs) to the door and waited. Bam. She pushed the door open and panically rushed in. Oh no, Dan! My brother was lying motionless on the floor while the house was in disarray, as if a thief had barged in. Mom knelt down and hugged Dan while screaming, help, somebody help. Then Dan started chuckling, which startled her. And when she saw me holding the camera, she rushed over and slapped me. It was the first time in my life that I was hit. I burst into tears and ran to my room. That evening, Mom knocked on my door and called me down to talk. I sat down at the table waiting for an apology, but to my surprise, there was none. After what just happened, I will not tolerate you anymore. All your pranks are negatively affecting others. You're too old-fashioned, have you read the comments? Everyone found my videos amusing. She shook her head and firmly forbade me from filming TikTok ever again, how absurd. And unbelievably, she even took my phone away. But not stopping there, one day my school invited her as a speaker of the association to protect children against harmful online content. On the screen, she presented my TikTok account and told everyone, don't do stupid things like this. Everyone looked at me and laughed loudly. Jeez, I wanna dig a hole for myself. That night, mom and I had a big argument. Are you going to use TikTok to apply to university? What kind of university accepts a kid who can only fool others? That's stupid. Stop chasing temporary fame and sinking your future into the mud. When she left the room, I (laughs) angrily went to the corner of the closet where my phone was hidden and saved the video I just recorded. I edited it to make her seem horrible and posted it on my account. Mom forbade me from filming TikTok. The next morning when I went to school, everyone was talking about that new video. I also opened my phone to check and OMG! In just one night, the video had reached top trending with more than 5 million views. In the comments section, many people criticized my mom. Is this what a mother should say to her child? Your mom sucks. She's more stupid than a kid. Oh no, that's not what I wanted. It spread like wildfire and I couldn't stop it even after I deleted the video. And to make it worse, mom called and told me that Dan had gone missing. Great timing. When her car arrived, I got in with a blank head. Sitting in the car, she showed me a video of Dan just a few hours ago. The boy stood at the edge of the forest and announced that he would hide there for a while to prank his mother and sister. But he was only 8 years old, and it had been 4 hours since the video was uploaded. We reached the edge of the forest where my brother posted the video. My hands were shaking and I burst into tears. My mom took my hand and choked. That's why. I want you to stop creating content like that. There might be people who imitate your careless pranks and get themselves and others in danger. Your father died from that. I looked at her in surprise. She never talked about his death. How did it happen? He was pranked and got a heart attack. Those who caused it disappeared without an apology. I felt so heavy-hearted as if I was a sinner. I didn't know my mom had to endure such pain. That's why she got so angry when I became an internet prankster and was even famous for it. Wait, famous? That's right. I posted about my brother's disappearance on my TikTok page and asked to see if anyone had any information. After a while, the area where my brother disappeared suddenly became very crowded. They ran to me and said, Mia, we saw your post. Everyone is gathering to help you find your brother. Don't worry. Then everyone disappeared into the forest to search for him. After only two hours, Dan was found. His foot was stuck in a large layer of vine so he couldn't get out. Dan was still panicking when the rescuers brought him to me and mom. The police said that nearly 1,000 people were involved in the search. Otherwise, it would take at least eight hours to find Dan. We were so happy that we profusely thanked them one after another. After that day, I gave it some serious thought and decided to stop pulling careless pranks. To my surprise, my mom said, with fame comes great responsibility. Use yours wisely, Mia. So I'm on the street again with my camera, but this time it's different. Hello, this is Mia. Welcome to the challenge of finding new owners for stray puppies. Let's go.
5: To this day, I still can't forget what they did to me. They turned me into their property. Nothing more, nothing less. Hi, I'm Maria, 15 years old. I'm currently living with my stepfather, Peter, who is 40 years old. My mom unfortunately passed away a few years ago from a serious illness and he became my only guardian. Although he's a factory worker with a meager salary, Peter is a heavy gambler. He's ready to throw all his money into gambling. One day, he came back late and said, I want to introduce you to my friend's son. He's a nice guy. He wanted to get to know you. I didn't think much of it and quickly forgot about it. The very next day, I received a call from a strange man. Hi, I'm Dean. Mr. Peter talked a lot about you. Would you like us to get to know each other better? After a few seconds of surprise, I remembered what my dad had said the other day about the man he wanted to introduce me to. I felt a bit weirded out, but casually greeted him back. I got nothing better to do anyways. In the days that (laughs) followed, we kept in touch had long conversations about everything in life, and gradually became closer. Although we had never seen each other's face, Dean's way of talking was gentle and polite. Dean and I had a lot in common. We both liked reading, pop music, and walking leisurely in the sunset. It felt like we had a connection. Since the day Dean came into my life, it had become so comfortable. Not only was I able to talk my heart out, Dean also promised to provide me with monthly pocket money to spend and pay my tuition. I was a bit hesitant and worried at first, but he reassured me, so I agreed. Honestly, my dad's monthly allowance wasn't even enough for me to buy a dress or hang out with friends. So being spoiled like that made me quite happy. He also regularly sent me expensive gifts. Despite many rejections, the gifts kept coming to me. It made my friends very jealous. They even wished they had a rich boyfriend like Dean. Chatting online was no longer enough. I had fallen in love with Dean and wanted to meet him in real life. All I knew about Dean was his sultry voice and the stories he told that he was a rich businessman and older than me. I was really curious about him. One day, my stepdad suddenly announced, get ready and put on some nice clothes. I'll take you to see Dean. Hearing that, I was extremely happy and nervous. Finally, my long-awaited dream was going to be fulfilled. I quickly went to get ready and kept wondering, what would Dean look like in real life? That night, a car was waiting at the door and took me and my dad straight to a luxury house. We were led into a closed room Inside was an old man sitting on a chair. He looked much older than Peter. He looked more than 50 years old. Seeing me, he smiled and said hello. Hello, Maria. That voice made me freeze. It was Dean's voice, the voice that I used to listen to every night. I was so shocked that the man I had a crush on, who spoke so sweetly to me every night, was an old man? I knew Dean was older than me, but it was unbelievable that he was that old! Before I could regain my composure, my stepdad suddenly bowed and walked out, leaving me alone in that empty room with Dean. I just stood there confused and panicking, and Dean kept looking at me and saying sweet flirtatious words. But unlike before, those words started making me feel disgusted. Come on, baby. Don't we get along so well? Are you glad to finally see me? But I was really scared and didn't dare to approach him. I stepped back slowly. After a while, Dean gradually revealed his true nature. He got up from his chair, looked at me with lustful eyes, and rushed over to hug me. Ah, Ew! I screamed loudly but to no avail. I had fallen into a trap that was set by Dean and my stepdad. Dean held me so tight that I couldn't move. This is it. My life ends here. Bitter tears fell on my cheeks. At that moment, the police rushed in. They arrested Dean and all of his accomplices. I was rescued in the nick of time. My stepdad was also arrested. It all happened so fast, and I didn't have time to understand what was happening. The police said that... Peter was a criminal who was known for selling young girls for money to gamble. He had a huge debt, so he sold me to Dean to clear the debt. As for Dean, it turned out that he was not a businessman, as he said, but a loan shark who had a special interest in young girls. I was shocked to learn the truth. Dean was my stepdad's money lender, not a friend, as Peter said. The police have been tracking this criminal line for a long time, and now they finally caught them all. My dad and Dean went to jail for their crimes. I have also received a valuable lesson. I should be wary of sweet words and not to be too trusting. I've moved to another place to live and i am now studying hard to have a better life. Hope you guys like my story. Remember to subscribe to the channel to wait for the next good content.